Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And remember yesterday we were on, this, actually it was around this time on the programme we started to get calls in from parts of Mallow to say that there was a water outage around White Oaks, Manor Park, Ballydeheen, Summerhill, that general area. And uh, people were wondering what was going on and we checked with Irish Water and we were told that there was works going on at the reservoir and that that was why parts of Mallow would have no water and no, uh, or low pressure or indeed no water. And we heard from poor Mora at Silver Scissors Salon in Mallow. They had a woman in collar was on the hair, went to rinse off the collar to discover, whoops, we don't have any water. And they, you know, the girls in Silver Scissors were very annoyed. I mean, they had a full client list, people coming in to get their hairs done and to be suddenly, to be without water with no warning. And I would thought that was a bit uh, mean of Irish water. And I did make the point that if it's a water outage due to a burst pipe, nobody can predict when a pipe is going to burst and we all just have to put up with it and the water goes out or for example, with the, when there's an ESB outage due to storms, you just have to put up with it. They, they can't, you know, they can't plan for anything like that. They can't let you know when that's going to happen. And in fairness to the ESB network, if they have a planned outage, they will let you know. So I was kind of annoyed with Irish Water. So we, we sent another email back to them asking why there was no, if there was this reservoir work was to go on, why were people not told in advance that there was going to be low pressure or at least let the business community know that there's going to be no water. Lo and behold, we got an email back saying something com- completely different, saying parts of Mallow were experienced disruption to their water supply. It was as a result of an unplanned fault at the Ballyellis Waterworks. Waterworks. That was very different to what they put up on their Twitter account and the, t- t- the crews then from Irish Water and Cork County Council were on site uh, repairing it. Now they were expecting supply to be back by five but it was back earlier than that. I think it was back by about uh, lunchtime. But it was actually down to an unplanned fault. So why they didn't issue that message to people yesterday, I don't know, instead of making it look like it was a planned work going on at the reservoir. So just to clarify that, it was unplanned. Uh, 1850-333-103. We had a great bit of fun yesterday on the programme with Hurley versus Hurl. (laughs) And this wonderful letter that we spotted in the letters to the editor's page of the Irish Times from Ned Monaghan and he was writing from America but he said he'd been born and raised in County Cork. Lo and behold we've discovered that Ned Monaghan is very much one of our own in that he's from Kildare and a number of people were on to say and that he comes from a fine hurling family so he'd know all about 
a hurley versus a hurl. So I had to take a look in the Irish Times letters page today to see did our Ned get any reaction to his letter? And he did. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven different letters have come in responding to Ned. Just to give you a sample of what some of the people from around the country and indeed overseas, how they reacted to Ned's letter yesterday. Noel Howard wrote to the letters page from Kilworth to say Ned Monaghan is correct about the distinction between hurley, noun and hurl verb. I think both terms are used correctly in Munster counties but outside of that it appears not to be so. In any case, Ned should be pleased that he's not had to hear a hurley referred to as a stick. Such an abomination was heard regularly a few years ago from an RTE commentator and that's from Noel in uh, Kilworth. Another gentleman writing from Germany, a Dr Gareth P. Keeley, says Akara. My late father, Charles Keeley, was on the Dublin team that lost the 1948 All-Ireland final to Wexford. And then he puts in brackets, we were robbed, by the way. And he was content to call it a hurl. So that was Dublin calling it a hurl back in the 1940s. Tony Flannery is in County Galway. He says, I grew up in rural County Galway. In the evening, we played hurling in the local sports field using a hurl. The only mention of Hurley was that it happened to be the family name of some of the uh, participants. And then just let me bring you one uh, final one. This is from Rathmines, Pat O'Brien Rathmines in Dublin. It says, Sir, I was born and raised in Moon Coin in South Kilkenny. And we, like Ned Monaghan, who's from Cork, I hurled with my hurley. I never heard the term hurl used as a noun until I moved north to St. Kieran's College in Kilkenny City in 1967. A fellow first year student in 1967, a gentleman by the name of Brian Cody. I've clear recollections of Brian and his fellow townies pressing the hurl into service as both a verb and a noun. For us in Moon Coin, town was Waterford where Hurley was favoured, as it was in South Tipperary, where I occasionally hurled. There might be a thesis in this. I wonder, is there a line to be drawn on the map, south of which hurl is a verb and nothing else, but north of which people hurl with a hurl? Let me add to the confusion. I once caused unintended mirth in South Carolina when I told a social gathering about the All-Ireland Hurling Championships. In the Carolinas, to hurl is to spit. <laughs> so that we're having spitting competitions in Ireland. So that's about O'Brien in Rathmines. OK, um, and that's just some of the letters to the editor that came in today reacting to uh, Ned Monaghan's letter. And um, hopefully Ned will get to see, uh, I'm assuming he's getting a copy, is he, of the Irish Times over in uh, America. And hopefully some of his family members if he still has family living in Kildare or hearing all the commotion that his letter is causing and it's causing great debate which is terrific 1850 and really that's what letters to the editors should always be they should always cause some kind of debate now coming up on the programme this morning we have a number of issues we want to debate and talk about we're going to speak in a couple of minutes with the Postmasters Union they are sharing their concerns about the collection of TV licence going out to tender we heard this actually it was this day last week it broke in the new broadcasting bill uh, there is talks of this new broadcasting 
instead of us paying a TV licence, we're going to be paying a broadcasting charge, which means it's not linked to your TV in any way. If you have any kind of a smartphone or a computer or a tablet or a laptop, anything in which you can stream any kind of a TV programme, then you'll have to pay a broadcasting charge. And there's much discussion as to will we be paying the same price? Will we pay more? Will we pay less? The thesis being we should pay less if the 25% of people who don't pay their TV licence, the TV licence dodgers, if they all paid up, there'd be more money put into the pot and therefore should we all pay less because of that? But one of the proposals also contained in this new broadcasting bill is the fact that they're going to tender out how the TV licence is collected at the moment and I think it's always been with OnPost. Now, on post, I'm sure, will tender for it, but it's quite possible that they could lose because there does seem to be a kind of a push for revenue to collect it. And I'm assuming the theory behind that is that when revenue go to collect any kind of bill, they're very good. People pay revenue. People are afraid of the taxman, I suppose. It's probably more the truth. And certainly when the local property tax was collected by revenue, very, very successful collection of the local property tax, along with very successful collection of your general taxation. So I'm I'm thinking that they are the powers that be are thinking, if we want to make sure that close to 100% of people pay their TV licence, why not give it over to revenue and let them collect it? Now, the Postmasters Union are going to talk to us about the effect that it will have on the post office network if they lose the collection of the TV licence. And I straight away start to think of the smaller post offices, our little rural post offices, that in many villages, they are the last commercial outlet standing. You'll have a post office and maybe a little shop attached uh, to it. And if they lose the post office, the shop may also close and there'll be nothing left in that in that village. And they're the post offices that we constantly fight to try to keep open. So we'll talk with the Postmasters Union on the programme today. We're also going to be discussing traffic delays in Mallow and this is due to the boardwalk, the installation of the boardwalk on Mallow Bridge. And since last Monday week, the northbound lane of the Mallow Bridge has been closed, which means people have to go around the town, get onto the bypass if you want to get to the other side, if you need to cross the river, if you want to go from one side to to the other side. If you're coming south side, it's okay, but it's the northbound lane uh, is closed and it is causing a lot of traffic delays. Now, is it one of those things that how many times do we mention it here? You just have to put up with it. This, these roadworks are underway. We spoke yesterday about the town of Bandon and they've been putting up with a lot of traffic delays because of work that's going on in the town. We heard yesterday now that that work is going to be extended across the month of September, which means back to school, which is going to lead to pick up time and the school drop off time in the morning is going to be bedlam. I'm already predicting it during the month of September. Unless we can get children to walk to school and I don't know, is that going to be possible for a lot of parents? Do they live close enough that they can let the children walk? But if children have to be dropped to school, there's going to be consternation in Bandon. And one of the points that was made yesterday, when all the roadworks is done and dusted and everything is put back in place, we have a tendency to forget about it. But when you're in the middle of these traffic delays, it can get very annoying, very frustrating. 
three times this week I've been caught in that I've had to make a journey in the evening time and go across town and I've got caught up in the traffic and people are pipping horns and you can see people are so annoyed. So we're going to be discussing it uh, today. But in particular, I want to find out, are the council happy with the way the work is going? Is it on target? Is it on track? Because certainly we've had some calls in from people saying, is the work progressing very slowly? If this is coming to the end of the second week of the work with the promise that the bridge will reopen in time for schools, the end of August is what's been promised. You know, I I don't know, unless there's going to be a massive sprint on over the next few weeks, the fear would be that the boardwalk won't be finished and that the bridge will still be closed and school will start. And then there's at least three schools on that side of town where families will be coming back and over and back across the bridge, which will cause consternation again, a drop off and a pick up time. So we welcome your thoughts and comments if you've been caught in traffic delays in either Bandon or in uh, Mallow. A West Cork councillor is raising the suggestion that the council should sell off County Hall, that great big iconic building in the city. Sell it off and instead all the work that's carried out in County Hall is to do with the county. It's the head office for Cork County Council. So the idea is move all those offices, move all the admin work, everything that goes on in County Hall, do it in the county towns. You know, it's, it's, it's work that's been done for people in the county towns. Why can't the work be done in the county towns and set off the building? I don't know how much the building uh, would be worth. Never, I don't think, now maybe it's been suggested before, I certainly don't ever remember covering a piece or doing an interview on any suggestion to sell County Hall. So I'm interested in people's thoughts. Is this councillor right? There is it at least something that we should look at. Look at the proposal. Because if you can take the workers, I don't know how the workers who work in County Hall would feel about it. Maybe many of them travel from the county every day into, into the city. Maybe they'd be happy to work closer to home. But just think about all the jobs that are in County Hall, bringing them out into the county. should give a great injection, wouldn't it, into the local economies if you set up various offices around the town kind of what we're talking here is remember the old decentralisation which became the dirty word of decentralisation on paper fantastic idea didn't fully work out but the actual thesis behind it is good to bring people and jobs and bring them into more rural areas and in this case into county towns and just adds a great injection into the area as well so we will discuss that we'll preview the wide Atlantic marathon walk that's taking place tomorrow this is a stunning marathon walk. Now, there's, it's a marathon. It is a full marathon along the coast road, but it's also, they do smaller walks as well. And of course, it's a, it's a fundraiser for the RNLI, so it's in very good cause. So we'll find out more about that tomorrow. Keep our fingers crossed that the rain stays away uh, for them. And then if you are a lover of horror movies... After half past 12 today, we're going to be talking about this year's Spook Fest. And this year's Spook Fest is going to be taking place on Spike Island. Could you find a more suitable location in Cork City or County to hold a Spook Fest than on Spike Island? I was there last year on a visit and it's fantastic. Now I got there, we happened to go there on a really beautiful late, it was late spring. It was a beautiful day. It was just the sun shone all day and it's just a fabulous spot. But there were parts of it, the old parts of it, the old jail, that it's spooky. It just felt spooky. And I always feel when I walk into those buildings, I try to think of what life must have been like for the poor old prisoners, regardless of what they did, incarcerated in those 
Victorian Dickensian buildings just and the cold even on what was a reasonably warm day when you walked into the jail cells it just felt damp and cold and you could imagine on a wild winter's day maybe with snow on the ground oh you'd be chilled into the bone you wouldn't warm up at all and it just it just always think if the walls could talk so you put that in an evening in the middle of September and spook fest and people telling spooky stories and watching horror movies you, you, you're in the perfect setting that's for sure so we'll find out more about it where tickets on sale how much they are and uh, what's the plan for Spookfest this year that and more on the programme today and Celebrity Seas don't forget Simon Celebrity Seas Simon will be back with us and a lovely text from Marie but Marie I don't know where you're texting from to say Patricia could you please say a huge thank you to the ESB network crew men that are fixing the power. The power went out at around 11 o'clock last night and they had it restored by 7.30 this morning. I would like to thank them and also say that their hard work is very much appreciated and that's from Marie. Thank you for that uh, Marie. And a number of calls into John Paul this morning. Let me look at some of the ones that came in on County Hall and this proposal that we're going to be discussing this morning to sell off County Hall. John in Cove says, excellent idea to sell it off. After all, it is the County Hall. So why was it ever put into the city? The staff would then move as well and I feel the town councils, while they're at it, should also be reinstated. As I feel once the town councils disappeared, you have no one to talk to anymore. Now you get an answering machine if you contact County Hall and if you do manage to get through to somebody, they'll say, hang on a minute, and they transfer you to another answering machine. Tim in Mallow says I agree with the selling of the of County Hall it would provide more financial development for the county and as they are servicing the county in the first place the work that they do there's no need for them to be based in the city spread the departments across the county so workers will be in areas they are representing and Angela from Mallow also agrees with the selling of County Hall but also agrees that we need to bring back local representatives and I'm assuming she's talking about the local town uh, councils she said yesterday it was your good selves at C103 who had to tell us about the water problems in Mallow I myself says Angela rang the radio station to find out as many of us in Mallow didn't know who to turn to when we did when we had a water outage so we had to turn to our local radio station but it isn't your job at the radio station to be looking after water and updating uh, us on when the water will be back so yes sell off County Hall and instead let us have access to other services 1850 John Paul taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 Postmasters have voiced their concern following the announcement of a plan to tender the contract for TV licence renewal. The announcement was included in the broadcasting bill which was published this day last week. Joining me from the Irish Postmasters Union is Ned O'Hara. Good morning to you, Ned. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Well, you're welcome. How much is the collection of the TV licence fee worth to the Post Office Network? Well, to the Post Office Network, it's worth three million, but it's worth bearing in mind, Patricia, that there are two elements to it. Number one is the the sale of TV license across post office counters, and the second part is the the public service broad, broadcasting piece and the evasion piece, which is managed by Unpost, and we haven't got any input into that at all. And were you expecting to hear that the contract was to go out to tender? No, I, 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 we were expecting something else, actually, because we've been part of a process which on post 
and the government over the last 12 months where we agreed a uh, transformation process which would we see protect the post office network which we see as fragile and we were actually expecting an announcement from the government and have been since early this year that they would be introducing new post office services across the counter. I mean the, the one that constantly gets mentioned is the road tax. Well there's a list there's a list of them Patricia and there has been a across the, the departmental group working and examining all the government services that could be put across post office cantons. And we were told that this uh, report was going to cabinet in February this year, in March this and April this year. And the day, last week we got a letter from uh, Richard Bruton saying it would be after the summer recess. So we were actually expecting new services rather than a threat. Good, go, good news. Good news, yeah. Well, the better news, if you like. Yeah. like. The post office network still is fragile. We still need new services. We are threatened by technology and other stuff, right? But we are trying to put a plan together to transform it over a period of three or four years to give us some certainty and the, the communities that we serve some certainty. But on post, Ned, I mean, they will tender, won't they, for the for the TV licence? Yes, I expect they will tender, Patricia. And in fairness to Unpost as an organisation, uh, they have it on a rolling one-year contract at the moment, which doesn't allow them to invest in it. And if they were to be successful in the tender, uh, they would bring more certainty for everybody. But we are concerned that if they don't win it, and I know it's five years away, mm. but we are in a fragile state and we are worried. And if this contract was lost, Ned, I, am I right in saying it would affect the smaller post offices the most? Affect them all. It affect them all, Patricia. Even it would expect the backbone of the post office network, which are the urban network. And if they, if that backbone gets broken, the whole network is gone. It's gone, yeah. It would affect two or three hundred post offices directly, yep. as in they would be forced to close, probably. You think it would it would it would go to that just on the TV license? Yeah, well, it's three million. It's a lot. Like we 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 are paid by transaction. Some post offices are paid as little as uh, twenty thousand, and like it, they have to run their business, they have to pay their costs. They can't be standing behind post office counters doing nothing. Like they they they, they can't be seen or or subsidised the government and or their communities as much as we respect our communities. Like it, it is a bread and butter issue mm. at the end of the day. It's a job. It's a business. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't forget that side of, side of it. When we started talking about it last week, uh, Ned, and with regard to the broadcasting charge and all of that, and then I mentioned that, you know, there was the possibility that Unpost could lose this contract if it goes out to tender. We then started getting a flood of calls in from listeners saying what would happen to the TV licence saving stamps? They would go as well, yeah. And uh, like uh, a lot of people use TV licence saving stamps to take the pain out of paying a TV licence. I don't like paying a TV licence myself, but I do respect the need for a broadcasting licence and for public service broadcast and the service that you provide as well. And if you go in every week, you pay, do they they still sell one? It's one pound, yeah. Yeah, one one euro stamp. So you could get three euro, you could get three euro a week and and you'd have your 
160, 160 done. And we heard from a lot of the older uh, listeners pick up the pension and at the same time buy their stamps into the book and then when the TV licence bill comes in, it isn't a bill. They just, it's, uh, another, uh, it's, another, it's another worry off the list. Whereas somebody said revenue won't be allowing a service like that. They won't be selling stamps to you. I, I couldn't possibly comment. Okay, and I suppose just to clarify to people that this no changes will happen for five years. So there is a little bit of certainty for five years. There is a little bit of certainty. And as I said at the start, it's come, we are concerned in case, as I said, we were expecting better news. We weren't expecting this type of news. Okay, and straight away see more and more um, texts coming in about the, the TV licence stamps. They're so handy and will we still be able to buy them? Well, as of now, yes, but it's if on post loses uh, the contract. Uh, so it'll be five years and then tender and then you'll know for sure if, if you have it. No, I'd say the tender will be out this year and probably no early next year. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. of course, because it'll, it'll take time to get it. Or it'll be a wind down period. Okay, somebody's saying, why why change what isn't broken? Isn't the current service working well? I, I would agree, yeah. But there are TV licence dodgers and there's difficulties, isn't there, around on post going after them? There, there are, and, and as I said at the start, postmasters aren't involved in that process. But in fairness to on post, they have reduced the rate from 14% to 10 or 11%. And I think if they had it for a five-year period, they would be able to invest better systems. Yeah, it's the uncertainty of, of having just some year to year. Why would you invest if you're going to lose it at the end of the year? I can actually understand yeah. that. Okay, all right, Ned, um, we'll leave it there. Thank you for that. Thanks very much. And uh, thanks uh, for joining yeah. us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Ned O'Hara who joins us from the Postmasters uh, Union on that uh, issue and how it's going to affect well, it's certainly going to affect a lot of post offices. Frightening to hear Ned saying, of course, as far as we lose, we could see a lot of our post offices uh, close. But I suppose from ordinary people who use the credit union to buy their TV licence and to buy, it's the stamps. I can still see texts coming in. It's the stamps, the one that people are most worrying about. Will we still be able to buy them? They're so handy. Well, certainly for the next five years, because there's going to be no changes for the next five years. And if Unpost wins the contract, then those stamps will remain in place. But it's who gets the contract if they don't win and they give it to somebody else. I mentioned revenue. And flippantly saying, can you see revenue setting stamps? No. So I think if it went to revenue, I don't think you'd be able to buy your stamps, no. A lane of traffic on the Mallow Bridge is closed for the month of August. This is to allow for the construction of a new pedestrian boardwalk to discuss the work and the traffic delays that's causing. I'm joined by Fianna Fáil councillor based in Mallow, Pat Hayes. Good morning to Pat. Morning, um, Now it's the northbound lane. It closed nearly two weeks ago. Are you happy with the progress of the work so far? Um, yeah, I suppose we we um, we expected, you know, that there would be there would be traffic delays, and um, I suppose just to give uh, an out, a broad outline of the project, um, there, there are four phases to the, to the project, and I suppose listeners, I could I could bring them up to date with that. Um, I suppose just to give a brief outline. Okay. The 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 bridge, as we know, it spans the the Blackwater, and and it is it's a major access route to the town centre, obviously for pedestrians, cyclists, and and traffic. Um, it, the construction is going on the western side, and it's it's to accommodate really the the pedestrian traffic. Okay, mm. so um, this will then facilitate removal of the existing footpath on on the bridge and, and allow for the. Um, incorporation of additional traffic lane to, to improve the traffic flow and um, 
I suppose just a bit of background to the bridge. It, it was, it was, uh, it is an eight-span masonry arch structure uh, when it was constructed in, in 1712, and um, it, it did comprise of, of 15 equal-span masonry arches at one time. Um, uh, Eleven of these were severely damaged during a great flood of 1853, and I suppose for this reason they were demolished and replaced by four. The current four cut stone arches, and um, it's a fine bridge. Oh, it is. I mean, and, it, it and really is a fine bridge. It's it's, it's a listed uh, protected structure, and it, it's in the National Inventory of Architectural uh, Heritage. And um, I suppose it, it will the the boardwalk. It, it will provide for a significant shared space, you know, for cyclists and pedestrians, and of course, it'll make it safer um, for people crossing crossing the bridge. Um, the the works, um, I suppose they we're nearly two weeks in now at this stage. People are saying yeah. to us, if you look at it, it doesn't look like there's a lot of work has got underway in the two weeks. Okay, so phase one, um, phase one is, is which is ongoing at the moment. This consists really of the the movement of services which are on the bridge at present. So okay. some of these services are under the existing footpath. So, ah. so the services are, for instance, water, water mains with ESB, there's telecom cable and there's traffic light cable. So this phase um, should be complete by the end of August. Um, phase two will be the demolition then of the existing toilets and the various... These are the old public toilets the old that public are there. Toilets yeah. and there's little wall, there's a wall that runs next to the toilets. Yeah, that'll all come down. That'll all come down. So phase three is the um, is the boardwalk itself. The boardwalk then it consists of a metal structure, I suppose, and this is prefabricated off-site and assembled on-site, okay. like a jigsaw, and this will be dropped into position. Now I suppose for phase three, this work will require a full road closure. So to lessen the impact that this will have to traffic and pedestrians, this work will be done at night and, and it won't be closed during the day. Great. Um, so, and then phase four. Uh, once once the boardwalk is complete, um, the road will it'll then obviously be resurfaced, and signage and line markings will will be put in place, and there'll also be a new. Have traffic. you a have you a time span on that when you when you expect to get to phase four? I uh, so it it's it, it's probably probably the end of September. Oh, well, it's not too bad. That's no. not too bad. Do you expect, the, the current work that's going on at the moment is, we're told that the bridge will open at the end of August, which should just coincide with back to school time. Yes. Do you expect the bridge to reopen by at the end of August? I do. Okay, um, great. I do. And, 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 and currently, um, the, the, the phase one, which is ongoing, um, is, 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 on, is on schedule. And we, we would certainly hope that the the bridge would, would be open by, by school time. OK, and are you getting complaints about the traffic delays? Evening time seems to be the worst, is it? I think so. Um, there, there is, like, obviously concerns. And I think with any big project like this, especially in such an important location, like a bridge, um, where, where the south side of the town is connected to, to the north side, and it's obviously the main avenue that's bound to be, uh, when you have diversions in place, there, there will be some kind of backlogs in, in certain areas, um, but I, I hope with, with, within a month, you know that that um, this this will alleviate and, and hopefully. Well, I think once the bridge is open for to coincide with back to school, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and you're saying everything it's looking like 
It is looking yeah. like that, that it will it will it will be on time. And then when the completed board boardwalk is up and running, obviously it's going to help with the traffic flow over the bridge. Do you think it'll also help with Main Street, Pat? Um, no, I, I have I, I have put forward a couple of different ideas, and and um, um, there, there was a motion put down that 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 um, a survey be done on on the traffic in in the town, and and. Uh, I also put put down an amendment that that we should, um, you know, maybe switch off the traffic lights and put in pedestrian crossings, maybe at the plaza and at the clock house, and and have no traffic lights there. But the the the, the system that's been put in place now, presently with the new uh, boardwalk, the the traffic lights that are in in the plaza and at the clock house will be connected to the traffic lights at the park road and the bridge, and they can read the traffic. So it's a, it's a new system that will be able to read the traffic and if there's a build-up, it can relieve, you know, where the build-up is. So time will only tell how that will work, um, Patricia, but the new traffic light system, uh, I suppose, will, will have to will have to see how that works out. OK, and somebody says, Patricia, builders go on holidays in August. Are any of those guys on holidays? <laughs> they're not, are they? They're not. No, 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 no. no. no they're working there. All right, OK. And uh, hopefully by the end of September, it'll all be done, dusted, and we'll have forgotten about it. And people just need to be a little bit patient. I suppose just a, a little bit patient. There's bound to be, you know, there is obviously... Um, going to be delays in certain areas but look hopefully within a month we, we should be over that now if anybody you know has any queries there is an email there if they want to email malaboardwalk at carcoco.ie Okay, I think it's just um, I think it's just patience and yeah. and cars allowing other cars out. They, they coming yeah. out of the Drumahan Junction and coming out down by Kylie's Correct. car sales. Do, do people just need to you know Everyone needs to stop and we're not all in this big rush to get somewhere. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I did notice that like we'd, we'd often have often traffic jams here in, in, in town. And, you know, if, and I remember lights being switched off and people used to just leave every second car. You know, yeah. they'd leave the next person out. And I suppose it's only just a bit of courtesy and, and it, you know, everybody to help each other. Yeah. And and I think that would, would certainly be a major help towards relieving any congestion that's built up in, in those areas. Absolutely. And John says, congratulations to everybody involved. This is going to be a fabulous project when it's up and running. Well done to Cork County Council. All right, Pat, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Uh, thanks. For and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil, Mallow-based County Councillor Pat Hayes. Uh, 1850 John Paul taking your calls and you'll see a text in how will that help if cars parking in this spa will block traffic every time an Arctic hits there? There are more problems down that end of town than just the flow of uh, traffic lights. I think a lot of people uh, will agree agree with that. Somebody on the works that's going on the boardwalk in Mallow. Uh, interesting to hear Pat Hayes talk about four stages. Why, when the current closure is underway, this is phase one, why don't they knock the, to- the old toilet block and the wall? Um, what, what benefits when complete... Um, why have four why have four stages um, I suppose it's just a timeline sorry it's just the wording on that text um, it's the timeline on a phase one is just moving all of the services out and then on phase two they're going to get to the toilet and uh, knocking down the wall 
don't know if there's a closure though attached to that. I mean, the closure of the lane of the bridge is only during phase one, which is going to run out at the end, which should be completed by the end of August. But I know what you're saying. Why not have them all together at the one time? You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were talking about the Mallow Boardwalk and it's expected that the work should be completed by the end of September. Listening to uh, local councillor Pat Hayes, John in Mallow, he's not so convinced. He reckons the bridge won't be open until Christmas. Oh, don't say that, John. He also says he's led to believe that there's a valve sticking out of the ground that wasn't expected. So I don't know if they've discovered something that wasn't part of the plan or not that could delay it. So if that's the truth, then uh, Councillor Pat Hayes didn't know about it. He says everything's going according to plan and they're happy out with the progress of the work, even though people see, seem to, seem to, certainly in the cause we were getting, people seem to see the work is going very slowly. But I think it was when Pat was explaining what they're doing at the moment. It's all the services. It's everything that's under the footpath and under the bridge that needs to be removed. That's kind of time consuming at work. So you're not going to see a lot of physical digging in order to get into all of those uh, pipes. There has been a sort of a trench dug. And obviously, that's where they're getting their, their access. Now, John has been led to believe they've some valve is sticking up that shouldn't be sticking up. I don't know if anybody has further information on that. Uh, thank you for your call, John. Actually, Theresa and Clonakilty was on. This is to do with the lightning. You know, the dreadful storm that we had in the light, thunder and lightning last night. She wonders, could the lightning in some way have affected her microwave? Now she said she did have her microwave on last night when the lightning struck. She's got up this morning to discover that her microwave is no longer working. She's wondering has anybody else had appliances that were affected last night and we need an electrician really to tell us, is it possible that a household appliance like a microwave could it have some way of blown during a lightning strike. She said it was on when the lightning was overhead in uh, Clonakilty. Now she says on Facebook this morning she's seen pictures of fuse boxes uh, burnt out and, and we do know that, that, that lightning can be very dangerous. But could it actually blow an appliance in your house? See, back in the good old days you would have opened the plug and would have checked the fuse. But you can't get into any of the plugs anymore because they're all sealed. So perhaps there's an electrician who can tell us has, is it possible that Teresa's microwave somehow has, is blown? And is it fixable? Is it just a fuse in the plug? Is there anything she can do? But she says it was working perfectly last night, which was during the electrical storm. But she can't get a geeks out of it this morning. Anybody else have an appliance that was blown are in any way affected by the overnight storm? 1850 Can I just give a quick mention and ask everyone to keep that young special needs girl who has been travelling on an Irish passport, Nora Corim, uh, to keep Nora and her family in all of our thoughts and prayers. I can't stop thinking about this little 15 year old girl, even though she's 15, she wouldn't be because she's special needs. She wouldn't be a streetwise savvy. 15-year-old, if you know what you know what I mean. She would be way younger than her years from a developmental point of view. And to hear that they were going around the Malaysian jungle yesterday with a megaphone message of a recording of Nora's mother's voice saying, Nora, darling, I love you. Mum is here. Must have been utterly heart-wrenching for everyone and they were doing that yesterday as we headed into the fifth day since Nora 
has gone missing. So we'll be into day six today. And then darkness fell over the Tucson tropical rainforest last night. And absolutely no sign of young Nora, who literally like vanished into thin air from this eco resort and at 60 kilometres from the capital of Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur. And she went missing on uh, Sunday. Her mum, Maeve, is from Belfast, hence the reason that Nora's travelling on an Irish uh, passport. She went missing from an upstairs bedroom. Now, she wasn't in that bedroom on her own. She was in the bedroom with two other siblings. They just checked in. I think it was their first night in this in this resort. Her father, Sebastian, is from France. He went in to check on the kids the following morning to discover that Nora was missing. And it's now believed that she, she or someone took her downstairs and then she left this apartment type little villa out through a downstairs win- window and the Malaysian police are still categorising it as a missing persons case and I'm wondering is this the mistake that the Malaysian police are making? They seem to be of the view she's 15, you know, she possibly just rambled off herself and is after getting uh, lost. Now they're now, they haven't ruled out that there could be a sinister possibly criminal motive uh, to it acting on the theory that the teenager who, as we say, has a developmental uh, delay, wandered into the jungle and got lost. Uh, police decided yesterday that they'd record this message and they broadcast it on megaphones. In case she's somewhere in the jungle and she's too afraid to come out of hiding, I suppose, is their theory uh, on her. Now, Nora's parents have believed, literally from when they realised she was missing, they've believed that she was abducted because they say it is entirely out of character. She's a very shy girl. She's a very introverted girl and the fact that she has a developmental delay she never goes anywhere on her own. She'll always have a family member with her so this would be completely out of character and you just wonder did the Malaysian police just look on this as a 15 year old and thought oh your typical 15 year old she went off on a jolly, she went off on a bit of a walk and she's after getting uh, lost. Now local tribes people who specialise in trekking through the jungle have joined in, in the search uh, team and they're in an area in the rainforest and they're all walking you know they're in a kind of a, it's like a six kilometre radius they seem to think if she's gone anywhere that's where she is and they're all walking around uh, shouting her name but the search team were hoping that the recording of her mum and a familiar voice might draw Nora out of the jungle and I know voices of other family members have been recorded uh, as well they're, they're still adamant the police still believe that she's somewhere in the jungle and that's where they are focusing their search the, they are focusing their inquiries around the theory that she may have left the resort on her own accord and could now be stranded somewhere in the six and a half square kilometre area of rainforest. A helicopter with thermal imaging equipment that is now being deployed. That should have been, I think, brought in from day one. There are 267 people, there's divers, there's drones, there's sniffer dogs, all searching for her. Now, 20 people, including all of Nora's family and the resort staff, have all been questioned. Fingerprints have been taken, particularly fingerprints that were found on the window frame. They're being analysed. Still aren't hearing anything with those fingerprints if they are from a stranger but then could the fingerprints have been there before the family moved in you just you just don't know and I was so glad to hear yesterday that Nora's um, aunts have flown out from Belfast and her uncle and they've gone to support the, 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 the Corinne family in Malaysia because this must be the most dreadful dreadful time 
for all of the family. And I know one of her aunts was saying that, you know, Nora is a very vulnerable young girl and they just want to bring her home. And they're thanking everybody for their support, support but asking everyone to keep Nora and her family uh, in everybody's thoughts. And just prayers, please. Uh, that she will be found and found safely and brought back to her family. You just think the fact she's a special needs child, she keeps going through my head. I think particularly, you know, you're in bed at night and everything, you're going through the day. I keep thinking of her as I'm in bed at night and just thinking, you know, wherever she is, she must be so petrified and so frightened. I mean, any 15-year-old child who would get lost or would be abducted would be terrified. But the fact that she's a special needs child with a developmental delay, you just think the fear of this poor, poor little mite. Uh, so please God, she'll be found safe and well and back to her family. 1850 333 103. OK. Um, somebody is saying the flux capacitator in the microwave is probably blown. Isn't that somebody in the know? No. What that is a flux capacitator? Is that fixable? Could somebody let us know? Is it... You know, we we've, we've a tendency to be, when something goes, you just throw it out and, and get rid of it. And of course, that is so bad for the environment. We need to start doing, as our parents and our grandparents did, we need to start repairing items when they break rather than throw them out. So can somebody, whoever sent that in is obviously somebody in the know. Can you tell us the flux capacitator in the microwave, if it's blown, can you get it repaired or is the... Do we just have to get rid of the microwave, I suppose, just to give uh, some advice there. And a lot of people commenting on banned in traffic. Remember yesterday we spoke about this on the programme and the fact that North Main Street, it looks like another month it's going to be closed. And there, there was hope that all of the work would have been done when the children were on summer holiday. It now looks like it's going to go through into September. That's going to cause huge controversy for parents who have children who need to be dropped and collected from school. Some of the comments uh, coming into us here at C103. Nicholas says, I got a new car last week and within three days, somebody hit my mirror and broke the casing off it. I'm living on the Cork Road in Bandon. I can't even park my car outside my house without people beeping at me, even though I clearly indicate I'm about to park. I'm sick to death of it now. I met two lorries on this road yesterday morning which held up traffic as a tractor were, was against it. No manning or anything. It's a pure and utter joke. Amanda says it's an absolute joke now at this point. It was torture getting my children to school at the end of the school term on the bypass every morning and even worse coming home again. Now we're being told it's going to be the same after the holidays. It needs to be finished ASAP. Traffic is always bad with four schools in that area but the roadworks are making it so much worse. Please just finish it and stop standing around talking. Geraldine says there is no way that the Cork Road can take the traffic for the three national schools and two secondary schools in that area, especially when traffic using the hill have to wait for a break in traffic at the top of the Cork Road. Lights need to be put at the top of the Cork Road. Would others agree with Geraldine? Would that help the situation if lights were put at the top of the Cork Road in Bandon? Eileen says the total closure of North Main Street for several weeks is a joke. A job like this should require 24-7 work around the clock to get the work done. The, yesterday evening at 6.45 it was total gridlock at the junction by the Methodist Church. Nobody was going anywhere. There's a stop and go system on the Glasslin roundabout by the bus stop by the Glaston Road sorry just by the bus stop when the bus stops the traffic coming from the Cork side 
Corkside cannot pass. They are then forced to take the right lane, thus meeting traffic from the east. I would like to know who is in charge of these traffic plans. Simple solution, says Eileen. The bus stop should change temporarily while the works are in progress. Let the people get on and off the bus at a different spot. Also, I'd like to know, says Eileen, what happened to the river drainage? Willis Brothers were supposed to have this completed this year. As far as I can see, it's only half finished. What's going on there? Can anybody update us on that, on the river drainage and what's happening with Willis Brothers, the contractors who are responsible there? Karen says, as a resident of Cork Road in Bandon, I'm worried about this continuing use of the Cork Road. It is going to cause absolute chaos. Now, Karen has an additional reason for being worried. Karen has a special needs teenager who gets on and off the bus in the morning and the evening and I'm worried. Karen says, I'm really worried for him when September comes now that we've been told that North Main Street is to remain closed for at least another month. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. General Operative wanted this is for a food factory in Boherbury. While a mature, experienced bar person wanted for a full time position, that's in Mallow Town. Full-time experienced office yard assistant wanted its foreign agribusiness in the Bandon area and carpenters and labourers are wanted for immediate start in North and West Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. And uh, Simon Murdoch joins me in Hi. the studio. We're about to play Celebrity Seas, but before we do, I just, he w- I, just wanna, I just want to ask, are you fond of 80s movies, Trish? Uh, yes. Are you fond of Back to the Future, Trish? You see, yes, I, I, I watched Back to the Future, but I'm not technical, so I wouldn't have got into all the technical side so of it. There's an issue it. with someone's microwave, and you said... Well, somebody sent in a text. It's, I've got that person's number. I feel like ringing them up. The, the flux capacitator in the microwave is probably gone, and Simon started laughing straight away, and that's from Back to the Future. That's the little time machine you little unit. I bet you that's a man sent in that text. That's definitely a man. No woman would have done that to me. You and got, there was you, I you in my innocence asking, was, could you replace a no, flux no, capacitor? No, listen, you, you might be able to put a flux capacitor in a microwave. You'd have a, you'd have a time travelling microwave. Would you? Would yeah. you? Oh, well, maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's happened to our listener. She was time travelling last night. <laughs> Simon's Celebrity Sees. Guess the celebs to grab the cash on C103. And yes, it is that time of the day. I need to pull that. Yes, it is that time of the day. Can you identify any of these three people, please? C. C and C. Now, it is €2,300. Euro. Mm. That's what it's worth uh, today. We have one guest. Are we still at one? We're still at one. And uh, yes, everyone knows at this stage, it's uh, it's Killian Murphy, uh, Cork actor. Very exciting. Peaky Blinders. His show is back uh, two weeks' time. There you go. And uh. he is somewhere in the middle of this. C. C and C. Might He's be at the last. middle. Might oh, be. you're not telling. Oh, you're not telling. <laughs> well, I think many okay. have figured it out. Okay, now. you've got to 1850 um, Call us, please, if you think you know any of the other two. Obviously, we know one is Killian Murphy. Who are the other two? Your chance to win €2,300. C. C and C. That's a lovely win on a Friday as well. Oh, man. Great Imagine start that. to the weekend. And with all this kind of wild, dodgy weather we're having, I'd be like, yeah. you know what? Flight, five-star hotel, done. Let's yeah, go. And, Let's and, go. And I also think um, poor Teresa and Clonakilty could buy herself a new, a new microwave with €2,300. <laughs> if you can tell us, 1850-333-103. C. C and C. 
we have one of the three we have two to go it is going to be a series of uh, eliminations isn't it yeah and these these three I mean they're not as I've said earlier in the week they, they're not like we've googled you know who are the biggest Z-listers out there they're three very famous people you know them I mean the lady at the start there you know Hang on. You, you, you've seen her in C. the C and C you've probably seen her I'd imagine while well, having some popcorn so she's okay she's an actress 1850 333 103 C. C and C I should have done that now. that's I should, I should uh, have that's given an, you an like actress that. I, an Irish actress uh, 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 do you know an what American? I've been too generous I've been too generous hang on let me, let me, uh, listen, let me listen again C. C and C I've given you too I much I don't think that's an Irish accent I mean, Killian's, you can tell, absolutely tell Killian's Irish accent. 1850-333-103, your chance to win €2,300. And it goes up by a €100 every day. €100 every day. So if it's not one today, and we'll play with Nick as well later on, we'll play with um, with John on Drive Time too. If it's not one, it'll be 2400 on Monday. As I said to John yesterday, people are boxing clever. They're waiting. They're waiting for this money to go up and up and up and up and up. And do you, do you think some people actually know? No, they, 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 no, they know, but they, they might have a little a short list, you know? Yeah. Just but the, the danger there is if you wait too long, somebody could get in, get in ahead of you and take the win out from under C. you. See and see. Okay, all right. You're gonna. Nobody wants to play with us today. You're gonna play with, I'll play um, with Nick, play after, with one, Nick yeah. after one. Okay, thank you for that. And um, our flux capacitator person <laughs> is back, saying, "I'm back. I'm back. Back from the future." Thousands of you tune in to C103 every day. Now you can win thousands of euro. To say thank you for listening to C103, Simon's Celebrity Seas will now play across the entire day. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. Tune in to win weekdays from 6am on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Cork County Council this morning have issued a not to swim notice at Cool Main Beach near Kilbritton. It's due to bacteria recorded at the beach. The HSE has also advised people not to swim at Cool Main Beach. Not exactly swimming weather this weekend, but just let's put it out there in case some people like to swim in the rain. Cool Main Beach in Kilbritton. Stay away for now, please. And we wish the best of luck to Katie O'Keefe in her European semi-final in the boxing championships that are under in Georgia. Her friends in Kaloshta Trasa in Kanturk sent us a tweet wanting to wish her all the best. Go, go, go. That's Katie O'Keefe. Now, recently elected West Cork councillor John O'Sullivan has made what many will see as a bold proposal to decentralise all services currently provided in County Hall and move them to various towns throughout the county. The Fianna councillor John O'Sullivan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Your suggestion would be to sell off County Hall. Talk to me about your thinking behind this. Well, I, I suppose it, it goes back to the extension of the, of the city and the, the Ferrari that was over the last year, year and a half or two years. And I put a motion down to the council in last November saying that Cork County Council should relook at the um, viability of maintaining the services for one local authority in the middle of another one, in the middle of Cork City. When, when County Hall was built, it was in the county. The city has moved over a couple of times, but this this extension is very big. And effectively, the administrative centre of Cork County Council is now well in the centre of another local authority area. And take that in, in conjunction with the fact that I'm passionate about trying to maintain 
vibrancy and viability in, in rural Ireland, in our rural towns, county towns, and that trickles down to villages and to country areas. Added that to the fact that I think that to a more effective service could be provided if the those providing the service are living in the community that they're serving and not be just isolated away in in in, in the city. Service in the county and and being living being in the city, it it's taking the, the delivery of that service away from the people that are availing it and the people who are delivering it are are, are away and are out of out of contact and out of touch with with, with locals. And for that reason, I I I'm just made the proposal that uh, we could. Decentralised, and I don't like the name decentralised. Well, that's because it's got all connotations of what happened that's the right. last time we spoke about decentralisation. But I think people understand, you know, the theory behind decentralisation yeah. and take it out of the city and move it out uh, in into the county. You also believe Bandon would be an, an ideal location for the admin work. That's right. Well, when you look look at the county and you say where, where do you go for for, for say, the administrative centre where council meetings are held and all this kind of thing. And, and where I suppose the top executive would, would have to maintain, to me, they would have to be in some proximity to the to the port, and in particular to the airport. And the it, 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 in my view, then is, is is very is very appropriately located uh, f- for that. It also, if you look if you look at a map and and, and just take a, a rough figure, it's kind of equidistant there from Ahilis. Tial or from Mitchestown or, or, or Newmarket, it's reason, reasonably centrally located, so anybody travelling would, would be kind of equidistant from it. Uh, while I know down here at the, at the south would be closer, but from, from just uh, taking the two the distance point of view from, from the extremities and requiring to be somewhere close to to the airport for visitors coming in or whatever. To me, that, 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 that's the town that, that stood out as, as being suitable. And I like to the fact of the, the, the trauma that Bandon Town has gone, uh, taken through over the last number of years with flooding and with, with all these things. It, it would be, I suppose, an indication of, of uh, what should I say, in, of the, the county uh, committee itself to helping towns that are affected and it, it would, being one of those worst affected, it would also send out the signal around around all the other towns in the county that Cork County Council is in the business of supporting its towns, supporting its county towns and trying to bring vibrancy and, 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 and mm. that to, to the whole, to the and whole I know when, when we started talking it up this morning and mentioning that we were going to be discussing uh, your proposal, I have to say we've had a lot of, I don't think we've had one negative uh, comment. People are saying great idea, but people are saying particularly because towns lost their town council and their town councillors. You know, somebody was making the point yesterday there was a problem with water in Mallow and people ended up ringing us at the radio station because they felt that they didn't know who to ring and where do they ring and that if you had more of a presence in county well, towns. That's it. And the reality is that Cork County Council owns quite a significant amount of property in all the towns and it's not being fully utilised. So it, it it would be if you had the money from the sale of county hall or, or or an investment of money into you're actually putting money into those towns. You're going to be getting different people to come into the towns. There'd even be county council meetings in the towns mm. at different. So people, there would be more emphasis and more attention to all the towns. And I'm talking now from Newmarket to Castletown Bear, OTR. There could be some function or some put in each of those that that that, that would 
put a vibrancy and put and put economic activity in, into the Well, town. there certainly would be an economic boost. Anything that brings any, anybody into an area brings with it an economic boost. What reaction are you getting to your proposal? Very positive to say. Yeah. People appear to take it as well. That's a kind of a brave move. Are you sure of what you're talking about? But when I go and explain to them, like I'm saying to you now, that I, my my overriding aim in this is to try to support and send support out there to, to those towns to send out a signal that Car County is committed to them and and to, I suppose, focus the public on each of those towns that... that, that um, that it would be good good for them to get more activity in the, and, and, and the council itself to give the commitment. And when I explain that to people, they say, yeah, that, that's actually very good. It's a great idea, actually. And it, it, it seems to be gathering momentum. The first couple of days after I came out, I heard nothing. But as I meet people now and they give it consideration and, and they talk about it, it is seeming to, to get to getting a positive response, definitely. Someone wants to know, have you any idea on how much County Hall will be worth if you sold it? Well, I, I, I did ask to put did you? a question to an auctioneer and he said, I, I couldn't hazard the guess. He said, yeah. that's, that's what he said. It would be several, several millions is what he said. A lot of money. A lot of money. And you see, I mean, I, and I said this at the time with the extension of the city, if, if we focus on developing just around the city again, going forward, like this is a sea change moment. The city has has, has expanded. We are in, in new territory. We, we we have new directions to go. But if we if we focus on expanding just outside the city boundary again, the next city extension will take away a whole lot of income. And again, if we from, from a long term strategic point of view, if we develop our county towns and 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 let them filter down to our villages and that, we have something that's sustainable and long term and, and that won't be taken away from us. And like that, that that's the, I suppose where the thinking came from in the start, it, it was unbelievable to see the amount of economic activity and value of of uh, income to the county that was just taken away with with, with the boundary extension. And to me, I, I won't, I probably won't be around for the next extension to the city. But I, I think we've got to think outside the box and forward think and try to protect and the, the county and protect the rural the rural sections of it because they, they are they are under pressure we've seen the beef movement the, we've seen what, what, what the trauma that's there with that we've seen a good year in tourism is fine a, 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 a poor year and, and income and towns are under pressure so we, we need to focus all our attention into keeping those towns those villages and the countryside as, and, and bring as much vibrancy and, and economic activity into it as we possibly can. Somebody actually, it's funny you mentioned the beef. Somebody says, Patricia, while well, you have uh, Councillor John O'Sullivan on, uh, can you ask him uh, what uh, are his views on the beef protest and what's well, going on with farmers? I've been in there on, on a number of occasions uh, with them. I was just on that camera there yesterday. Look, it, it's traumatic and it's something that, that I've, I've been seeing since 2009. Uh, when the father crisis hit, we went to a Chagas meeting in the Manway on, on the occasion, and we were we were told very clearly that the cost of keeping a dairy cow at the time was seven hundred and sixty euros a year. The cost of keeping the suckler cow was seven hundred and twenty. Now, if you take that and what they get for for, for, the, for the weanling or whatever at the end of the year, he's only covering the cost of the cow. Those people are, just can't make that an income. Just doesn't well, make it. Doesn't ma- it does, yeah, it doesn't make any economic sense. Well, like and then the, you see, the, I suppose internationally, there's the, the, there's a big question to be asked. The, the beef that's being produced in this country is predominantly grass-fed. It's from the suckler cow. It's a unique product, 
and yet it's being categorised as a commodity, the same as something that's produced in, a, in, in that never an animal that never sees the light of day. It's in a shed, yeah. You know, there, there should, and I, I spoke to to an IT guy in the last number of days, and he said the the secret to this is everybody has to, has to come together, and this has to be marketed as a niche product, very healthy product, and 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 in that way return a higher margin but that's going to take the commitment of all the, the interested parties and I hope that, that if this, this meeting goes ahead that, that's promised yesterday I hope that something like that can be achieved it won't be achieved overnight but people have to come around the table and make commitments to one another because ju- just as I see it the farmer down there just taking what's left at the end of the day everybody taking their piece out of it just taking what's left that's not sustainable going forward and something has to be done about it Okay, and just back to the whole county hall uh, thing. Somebody has asked a question: If you sell county hall, would you also sell the county library? I, 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 the answer is: I suppose I would. I would. I would put the county library in the county somewhere. Mm. The county library is hardly a county library in the middle of the city, is it? That's the reality. Yeah, it's hard to justify it. I know people will say, well, the reason it's in the middle, it's equidistant. Well, it's not quite equidistant, but it's people coming from north. West, east, don't well, as far, far to travel. But then, if you're traveling from West Cork, you've you've got a journey regardless. You do, and you know. I mean, would would we be better to, to put the emphasis on on upgrading the libraries in, in along in our ring of county towns that people would be closer to to, to the full service and have it on your doorstep? And one Absolutely. important question that I want that to ask, and I could see some texts coming in on this as well. What about the workers, John, based at County Hall? Do you have you any idea how they would feel about relocation of their jobs? I haven't, um, and I suppose I know a couple. A couple of them have, have said it to me when they saw this. There, some people are travelling from outside. It would suit some people. It may not suit other people, and it it, it might have to be decided that it would be a longer term um, direction to go in. But uh, you know, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. People have to have to to, to make decisions. And, uh, you know, it would... But I, I assume, I'm assuming some of the workers travel from the county to well, County they do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's quite a number. There's a number of people travelling here from Court McSherry. They're travelling from County yeah. Kilty. Yeah. They're travelling from Fort Field. It, it, it might... It won't, and I have no doubt it would not suit all of so, Some of the people working in County Hall are living in the city. But... And, and I'm not casting any aspersions on those, but it, in my view, to... The, to to deliver the best service, you've got to understand the people that you're delivering the service to, and those people and the county, and we're fa- we're a predominantly rural local authority now. So, in my view, that has to be taken into account as well. Okay, and finally, you, you're going to bring this to cab- to council level. Well, you see, I've 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 already put it in, and I suppose what I can say, I'm disappointed with the response that I got at the time because I I, I put it, I suppose maybe. In a more open, in the, I had the motion last November saying the county council should should uh, consider whether it was the best place to to deliver services from, from the the middle of another local authority area, and certainly the executive did not uh, embrace it with open arms. Put it that way. Okay, Martin in from Moy says it makes absolute sense what Councillor John O'Sullivan is saying this morning. Why have county services in a city? Also, people living and working in the city, how can they identify with those that are living in county towns well, and with ro- rural life? Yeah, and Anthony in McCroom says, why not put the county library and the admin offices in McCroom? It's the centre of Cork. It's mid-Cork. Well, look, that, that's that's <laughs> going to open that debate. I have no doubt about that. I produce 
bend it. I'm sure other councils would propose other, other, other areas as well. But I, I, what I'm doing here first that is one, I said bending has gone through an after the trauma over the years, but what, I, I'm opening a debate on it is what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that's the Absolutely. most important thing to do. Either. All right, and, and we're, we're happy to have taken our part, played our part yeah. in that debate today. John, thank you for yeah. that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, West Cork uh, Councillor John O'Sullivan on his proposal to set off County Hall and move all of the work that takes place in County Hall, decentralise it. I know it's a dirty old word, but but move it out into the county towns instead. No doubt it is a topic and a debate we'll come back to again. 1850-333-103. Now moving on, the third annual... Great Wild Atlantic Marathon Walk along the Seven Heads Peninsula from Court McSherry Bay to Inchidani Bay takes place tomorrow. The, war, war, the walk is a joint initiative with Barry Rowe, GAA and Court McSherry RNLI Lifeboat. And joining me from the Lifeboats is their press officer, uh, Vincent O'Donovan. Good morning to you, Vincent. Um, Good morning, Vincent. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're, you're welcome to the programme. Thank Firstly, you very much. before we get into to the marathon, you had a busy day uh, yesterday. Actually, on this programme, we were wishing you well when you were heading out. You had a call for a diver in trouble off the Lusitania wreck. Yes, it was. It was a very busy day here in Corpac. Uh, we got the, the first call uh, out at just after 10 o'clock to a diver who had got into difficulties as they had a, a big dive on the Lusitania yesterday. And uh, 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 we were away within five, seven minutes and uh, reached the casualty in about 35 minutes. The, the naval vessel was there as well. And uh, the diver was subsequently airlifted to uh, Cork Hospital and on to Galway Hospital. And uh, as he had suffered the bins on, on, on the dive, you know, and these were very, very experienced divers. Uh, and these, these incidents happen. So... Uh, um, and then just after the, uh, the this incident at the Lusitania wreck, we got an immediate call out to a yacht that was in difficulties off the Seven Heads, uh, which was about uh, six miles away. So uh, the lifeboat proceeded there and thankfully brought the yacht and crew all to safety in Port McSherry. So, well yes, well it was a busy day yesterday. Is this, is, is this busy time of the year for the lifeboat or are you sort of busy all year round? Uh, yeah, I suppose, look, you know, normally you, you'd be on, we're on call out 365 days a year. We've got 30 volunteer crew here in Port McSherry. Uh, it, it tends to get busy at times during the summer. Um, it's busy all year round. Our call outs, we'll have about 20 call outs every year. Uh, to all different uh, situations uh, and uh, you know the weather turned yesterday so we were nearly expecting a third call last night but thanks to the God we didn't but our, our flanking stations and Unit Hall were out yesterday evening to a yacht as well and the previous day the, the flanking station Kinsale was out mm. so it's been a busy uh, four or five days now here on, on rescue service Did you get a lot of lightning last night? Yeah, we did. We got bad weather, yeah. And I suppose, uh, thankfully, it came uh, last night and today rather than coming tomorrow for absolutely, a walk. But, absolutely. It was. Yeah, it's a kind of a mixed weather forecast for tomorrow. Yeah, thanks for the God. It looks, it looks good. It's dry. Okay. There's a bit of wind, which, which, which walkers like. And we've got, a, we've got a lovely route, obviously. It's, uh, it's pure scenery as we go from Court McSherry to, uh, to South Ring and Inchidani Bay. And we have we have uh, great options, and I suppose we have a five k option, a ten k option, a fifteen k, a half marathon, or the full marathon. And you know, a lot of people are doing the full twenty six point two miles. How long does the full marathon take? Uh, the fastest people will do it. It will walk it in about six hours and well, fifteen minutes. There's b- stops and breaks along the way, though. Is there it? are. We have numerous.
stops and breaks and refreshments and toilets at Broadstrand, at Butlerstone, at Ballanglana, at, at Dunmurley, and back into uh, South Ring as well. So, you know, that's part and parcel. It's a fun walk, really, I suppose. We're, 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 we want to everybody to enjoy the walk. It's not a run, it's not a race. Okay. We want people to throw away the watches, you know. Yeah, and, and the, the fact that you've got smaller walks right up to the full marathon, it kind of it suits everybody, all age groups and all fitness it, level. It does, and I suppose that's our main goal, Patricia, is to, is to get all the family out for a walk and a chat and enjoying the, the beautiful scenery. And again, you know, we have, and we, we start them all at, at, at 9.30am in, in the community centre in Corp Mac registration from 8 o'clock. And we have a second option of doing uh, a walk back from uh, South Ring uh, at 1.30 with registration at 12.30. So we are catering for all the family. Yes, we are indeed. You've got a couple of famous walkers to help you out? We have indeed. Look, we, 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 it's been started off tomorrow by Miss Ireland, Aoife Sullivan. And uh, Aoife is a great ambassador for, for the locality. Yes, she's from the locality and she remembers coming to the lifeboat station to visit her relatives uh, back over the years. Right. And she's starting off the, the walk with us. And, she'll add you know, a bit of glamour to the start. She'll add uh, <laughs> great glamour to the start and she's a very natural person and, and we thank her so much for, for, for helping out. And we also hope to have John Tracy, the Olympic medal winner, taking part as well. And, uh, you know, it's a joint initiative between Barry Road GA and uh, the Cormishoy Lifeboat in the whole Respect the Water campaign to, to try and Now, just remind listeners what the Respect the Water campaign. You started I, this a few years ago. Yes, yeah. Look, it, 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 it's an initiative to try and educate people uh, uh, to help prevent drownings at sea. And education now is becoming a huge element in the RNLI and the lifeboats. And thanks be to God here in Court Mac, we've got a, a very strong educational team led by Angela Velmer Donovan who, who promotes that in the schools and gets the message out. To, uh, and it's linked now with the, uh, with the entire GA association right across the country to get the message to the, to the young boys and girls, you know, as to what to do when they may be in difficulties on the water uh, and to promote that, that, that great um, uh, ability to, to get... Uh, to the younger people so that they know what to do if they get into trouble mm. and uh, we're promoting the float campaign and we're just getting out there to try and get the message younger and to pre- prevent the drownings and prevent the incidents happening and that's why the, the, the hook up with Barry Road GAA is terrific yes yes it is and we're, look there's been a great crossover from Barry Road GAA right through the, the years I suppose you know or decorated Cox and Dan O'Dewar was uh, was uh, got, got a bronze medal for light, for lightboard gallantry. Also a Cox minor hurler winner <laughs> with Jimmy Barry Murphy in 1971. Yeah, so that's, there's always a great connection there. But I think to get the young people in who are involved in the GAA to get them to learn that lesson, and because they they are the future and they're the ones that and they're the ones that we so need to uh, protect. And I know people are very generous with sponsorship, and because of that. Is it too all the registration money? Is every bit of it then is goes to the lifeboats? Yes, we well. are very lucky. We we charge twenty euros to to register, and every single penny goes to Cormorshire Lifeboat because we have good sponsors who take pay to who take care of all our other expenses like brochures and food along the way and water etc. And and uh, the entire twenty euros 
schools. It's the, big, it's the biggest fundraiser in, 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 in Court McSherry. That's super. That, that really is uh, super. And I, I imagine there's a lot of volunteers helping out we, with the food stations and all of that. We have. We'd like to thank them sincerely. We've stewards along the way. We've probably about 60 stewards along the way tomorrow. And we have a lovely new T-shirt as well. It's an it's a electric orange T-shirt <laughs> sponsored by the EBS. So, and, and, and the link with the EBS is that this idea came both by International Elite at lead Richard O'Flynn from Barry's Point, who who came up with the idea uh, three years ago, and 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 we thank Richard for coming up with the idea. It's a fun walk. It's a link between the GA and it's it's helping us to raise funds for the lifeboat here in Cork. Okay, and the first walkers underway at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, registration and for yeah, yeah, the registration online now is closed. Okay, and, and anyone can turn up in the morning. Registration is from about eight o'clock to 9.20 and we're starting on the dot of 9.30 in the and morning. And you could not get a more scenic... No, the, sea, the scenery is fantastic as we traverse this, this Seven Heads Peninsula and, and it, it is beautiful and, uh, and I think it will be seen at his brilliant best yesterday. And, and, and will you do it yourself, Vincent? No, unfortunately <laughs> I can't. I'll be on the, the, the steward's car, the sweep car. We'll be very conscious of safety as we have to be. Yeah. And, uh, but it is a beautiful walk for any section of it and we're coming down the, 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 the Seven Heads pathway this year which is another addition to us from the top of Cuckoo Hill back down to Barry's Point so they are they are real great areas and we'd like to, to thank all the people for, for helping us out OK listen and to everybody going along on the walk enjoy because that's what it's all about uh, as well Vincent always a pleasure to hook up with all the gang at the Lifeboat Pass on our best wishes to each and every every one of them and uh, enjoy tomorrow and Thanks. thank you very much Patricia for all your help with, with us uh, our pleasure our you. pleasure God bless take care that is uh, Vincent O'Donovan uh, joining us from the Court McSherry RNLI Lifeboat in advance of the Great Wild Atlantic Marathon Walk for 2019. You have a, a negative response to the suggestion by John O'Sullivan to sell off County Hall. Dave on Twitter said it's not even April Fool's Day. I know a lot of people who work there from East Cork are these valued experts to move to Bandon. They could always commute, Dave. I'm not saying they have to move. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. to Bandon they could always commute and who's to say that Bandon would be the, loca- the location it's just a suggestion that Bandon could be the location You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed We have had an email in from Irish Water Cork, uh, Cork County Council to say that due to a power outage uh, water's off in Castletown Roach today and it will affect all customers served by the Castletown Roach Water Supply Cork County Council and Irish Water apologising for any inconvenience caused right that's a water outage in uh, Castletown Roach and I'm assuming the power outage is due to the lightning that we had yesterday evening and on lightning and uh, Teresa is in Clonakilty who's um, Microwave, she thinks, has been affected by the lightning. Some people with um, 
not having not not having a joke about it at this time round saying lightning can affect household electrical items by a direct hit to the house are to an electrical substation in the area this causes a surge uh, and it's always advisable to switch off all electrical equipment when there is lightning in the area. The damage caused by lightning should be covered though by your house insurance. Thank you for that. That's a good suggestion. I didn't I didn't think of that piece of information to pass on to uh, Teresa because it does look like a microwave has been blown. And here's Baz in Bantry, man in the know. He said, Patricia, the lady with the microwave problem. If there is no light on the microwave this morning, then sadly it may be of no more use. Checking the plug fuse won't do anything any harm. Modern microwaves may need to be reprogrammed and can be done by somebody who's competent to do so. That's Baz Wiseman who is, sounds like a very wise man in Bantry. Thank you for that uh, Baz. And if our listener who um, if I can go back and find a Teresa in Clonacilty if she can let us know how she gets on with the microwave I certainly would be interested uh, to hear. 1850 what else is coming in to us? Oh, on the beef and the beef farmers and what's going on with the beef farmers and the fact that the protest is still underway and they really, all sides seem to be getting further and further apart and they, you know, one comes out and says uh, something and then that just seems to fuel the other side and uh, the, it's, you know, a lot of the newspapers today saying the beef industry now, it's in, it's been plunged into a deepening crisis. Hundreds of jobs are on the line. And now, of course, there's also the threat of a court battle against the protesting farmers. And just when you kind of hear court threatens being taken to court, it just gets people who are already stuck in and who firmly believe that their side is right. They, it almost makes it, they get annoyed when the other side threatens we're going to take you to court and it's almost seen like bully boy tactics the big boy David versus the Goliath and they just get entrenched I think in their views even more only time will tell and I know we had we heard yesterday from the Minister for Agriculture Michael Creed who was speaking on this programme we sent our reporter Fiona Corcoran out to him and, and he's urging both sides to get around the table and talk uh, as well but it certainly today it continues and some of your commentary on this I'm 100 this is a texture I'm 100% behind the beef farmers they should continue picketing outside APB and the other factories let the factories suffer a little. They have made more than enough money while farmers cannot make a fair living by supplying their animals. The time is now. We should encourage and get behind our farmers. Don't please give up the fight says that uh, texter. Mick is a small beef producer in North Cork and he thinks the closing of the Mallow Mart has had the most negative impact on Mallow Town and also on the farmers. Friday, God, we remember as well it was March Day. Town was always bustling. Farmers spent their money locally and footfall is important for any business and small farmers, especially who had no machinery, etc., would use local contractors for harvesting and local tradesmen for any jobs they needed doing, like welding, etc. Thus, giving employment locally and boosting the local economy. The big beef producers like Larry Goodman do nothing for a local economy. They flood the market with beef, watch the market collapse and then they buy back at reduced rates. The agricultural industry is being destroyed according to Mick uh, from the North Cork area. And thank you for that Mick. And just on the whole thing of beef the argument yet again that we need to turn away from meat because the climate change is rearing its farmers will say 
ugly head again. The world must look after the land to help tackle climate change. This is coming from experts of warning. They're saying as rising temperatures are putting food supply at risk, global warming will increasingly lead to extremes such as drought, heat waves, wildfires. It'll threaten food security, it'll reduce yields and it will push up food prices and obviously then to go on to disrupt the supply chain. This is coming out from the latest United Nations report. Uh, But they say sustainable farming, changing diets to eat less meat, replanting forests and protecting habitats such as peatland and mangroves can cut climate emissions and deliver other benefits such as securing food supplies. Land is already under pressure, the UN says in this report, with around 70% of the world's ice-free land affected by human activity. Isn't that incredible? 70% of the world's ice-free land affected by human activity. And climate change is driving more problems such as turning land to desert and soil and leading to coastal uh, erosion. How people use the land is also contributing to global warming with activities such as growing crops, raising livestock and cutting down forests, accounting for almost a quarter of greenhouse gases, 23% between 2006 and 2017. Now, one of the lead scientists in this study says it isn't up to scientists to tell people what to do or what to eat. But she did say red meat has a much higher carbon impact than other types of meat and it's due to the emissions given off during production as well as clearing land to grow animal feed. Well, the Irish Farmers Organisation, they were obviously asked to comment on this report and they say farmers in Ireland have a proud climate record with the European Union's Joint Research Centre confirming that our dairy farmers in this country are number one and our beef farmers are in the top five when it comes to climate-friendly food production. So I suppose the, you could take from that that if we are to continue to eat red meat and if red meat is something that you like to eat on a daily basis then make sure you're eating wonderful Irish produced red meat from those uh, farmers that are at the moment currently picketing outside all of the factories. 1850 333 103. Can I mention for a moment please Hurleys and Hurls and all of that and we start the debate on Hurley versus Hurl. Nick has a much more serious issue though when it comes to a Hurley. He says ash trees in his own garden have stopped growing and there is a disease killing our ash trees. Yet yeah, That's been around for a while that particular uh, disease. Nick is now wondering because he's seeing his own ash trees and ash trees are such beautiful trees. He says he's seeing his own ash trees dying and it's got him thinking what will happen to the production of our Harleys if we don't have ash trees in the future? And I know this disease I'm assuming that they are being replanted are they? Or please don't say we're going out of the country to get ash for our Harleys. It's something we could ask Peter Dowdell about because we've de- definitely mentioned that disease that's affecting ash trees. I don't know, are they planting new ones to replace the ones that are dying dying off or what the future looks like for Hurleys if we don't have ash trees because that's the wood that's most commonly used isn't it to make uh, a Hurley. And a lovely text in from someone to say good morning Patricia. Greetings from a rather moist Clonakilty. Dare I suggest that this hurling issue is descending from clash of the ash 
to a groan of their own. <laughs> that made me smile. Clever use of words. Thank you to our Clonacilty listener for that. Now, some uh, other thoughts coming in on the TV licence. Teresa, Patricia, TV licence. As per household at the moment, you buy one television licence and that covers all of the TVs in your house. When they're talking about this new broadcasting charge, how is that going to work? Will it be per device? Will it be per taxpayer? Will it be similar to Netflix where you'll pay and then you'll have five or six users per account? Kind regards, says Teresa. Well, the devil is in the detail really on this one and we still have to wait because it's only, you know, it's been put out there as this is the way forward for the collection of the TV licence. Certainly anything I've read, Teresa, about the new broadcasting charge, it will be a broadcasting charge per household because at one stage they were thinking of calling it a household charge but then somebody chipped in straight away and said aren't we already paying property tax why are we paying a household charge as well so they've likened it now to a broadcasting charge and it's any or they've changed the, they've, they've used the name of a broadcasting charge rather than a TV licence so it would be one per household and it wouldn't matter how many devices you have in the house whether you have no TV 10 TVs no smart no smartphone, one smartphone, as long as you have something, one device inside in the house and that can include a mobile phone that is capable of downloading any type of a TV programme, but then you will have to pay a broadcasting charge and the theory behind it is that there isn't, now we're open to correction but there, I don't think there isn't and, and, and the people in the know reckon that there is not one household in this country that doesn't have at least one device that's capable of downloading a TV show. And therefore they're saying every single household in the country should pay a TV licence. There's an evasion rate of, I think, did Ned O'Hara, the Postmasters, say 12, 11 or 12 percent. But I think the rate I've heard is 25 percent of households don't pay a TV licence. Now, they're not all evaders. There are a proportion of households that actually don't have a TV. Once upon a time, every household would have had a, had a TV. But as we've moved with the times and the younger generation, particularly people who just stream Netflix and maybe don't watch a lot of of TV that you would get on, you know, the national broadcaster. And they're very happy just to stream their TV and they don't have a TV. So they're doing it on a laptop or they're doing it onto a tablet or doing it onto their smartphone so they don't have a TV so when the TV licence inspector calls they can throw open the door say come in sir or madam don't have our TV and then therefore they don't have to pay a TV licence I think the figure works out at about 25% of the population of households don't have a licence so there's a lot of money RTE will say there's a lot of money still there to be collected that they want and they need to put into their coffers. Uh, thank you for your text. Hi Patricia, would you please announce that there is a dance in Theo Park tonight with Muriel O'Connor and Fran Curry. It's from half nine to half past at 12 if you want to go along there. And someone else sent in asking me to give a plug. This is De- Declan, hi Patricia. Would any chance that you'd advertise this year's Cookstown Vintage Show? Now the Vintage Show is on next Sunday. It's the annual Vintage Day with the official opening by the wonderful Dr. Jason Vandervelt at half past one. It includes best dressed lady and gent senior and junior. Senior and junior, I thought that was when I'm reading it there, it looked like best dressed lady and then gent senior, but it's not. It's best dressed lady and gent and then the senior and junior children's sports. There's a dog show. There is track 
Water, Barrel Racing, Flower Demonstrations, A Baby Show, lots, lots and lots more. They've got a kind of a, uh, the actual vintage day gets underway at half past uh, one. And I know that there is a comedian playing uh, tomorrow night, Bernard Casey, but that's completely sold out in Crookstown. So uh, if you want a nice day out on Sunday, the annual vintage day in Crookstown and you look like you got the best of the weather because certainly it's, it's going to be okay on Sunday so the sun shines down on each and every one of you 1850-333-103 lines open The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Ballyfahan Bingo is on tonight at 8 o'clock in the Ballyfahan Community Centre. €5,000 jackpot with a guaranteed payout of over €4,000. Proceeds going to the upkeep of the hall. The RNLI Baltimore Fundraising Cocktail Party in Auction will be held in Baltimore Sailing Club tonight at 6pm. Lots include paintings, crafts, restaurant vouchers and lots more something suited to all budgets and interest. Dancing to Muriel O'Connor and Fran Curry that we just mentioned that's in Theo Park in Labamalaga tonight while Clyde Rovers GAA they've got their lotto draw Derry Murphy's Railway Bar tonight jackpot 2,550 euro with tickets available from Jerry O'Donoghue. And the Mick O'Regan Memorial Motorcycle Run, that's a native Pieta house. That'll be held tomorrow, Saturday. Leaving from Butterman at 12.30. Sign-in opens at Kit Roach's Bar from 10.30 tomorrow morning. All are welcome. And refreshments and entertainment in Kit Roaches after the run. Not everybody happy about the idea of paying a broadcasting charge, I can tell you that. Um, Patricia, everyone who has a laptop will have to pay for their internet. So why will they need to pay more for a licence? And someone else's Ed Domanway said in order to download or stream a TV show you're going to need to have a decent broadband speed. And that kind of ties in with the other text a broadband speed that you will already pay for. And then a gentleman has contacted us from West Cork to say, Patricia, I was listening to your item on the location of the county council premises while I was up in Clonakilty Town earlier. I cannot receive your programme now because I'm back home as it's a black spot for communication. And once 8am occurs, the beach ball on my screen goes mad. I was listening to a solicitor from Chicago on a different station this morning. Her roots are on one of our West Coast Islands, which has recently had a serious upgrade of internet reception. She can now extend her holiday with relatives there and do most of her business as if she was back in her own office in Chicago. It is about time that our overpaid government got off its ass and brought this whole country properly into the 21st century. Up to date broadband reception is the new ideal locator for so much of what we need to live in modern uh, life. Well said, sir, and uh, kind regards. Okay, on the TV license, Patricia, does free TV license will that still, will that still apply when the changes come in? Thank you very much. We looked into this before. Yes, it does. Anytime I mention the broadcasting charge, we get people panicky about their TV license. That will all remain as is. Just instead of a free TV license, you will be getting a free broadcasting certificate, broadcasting charge, whatever they want to call it, you'll get that instead. I was talking about giving up red meat 
and scientists saying climate change, we need to do something about it. We need to turn away from red meat. They're not quite saying go vegetarian, go vegan, but they're saying cut down on your red meat. Hi, Patricia, did you see the report on CNN about cutting down of forests, rainforests in the Amazon. The cattle there are genetically modified and it only takes 15 acres to feed 30 cattle. The land is so fertile and this meat will be coming to uh, Europe. We need to be promoting the best of Irish when it comes to beef and uh, we have wonderful Irish uh, beef uh, uh, as well and you are right, there's so much of it coming in. The cheaper imports and none of us know what exactly is in that meat. Anna in Clan says, Patricia, have you seen Today's echo with the picture of the poor pony found at the housing estate in Cork in a dreadful state. It was presumed it was used to bait dogs. Uh, I love your show. I, do you know something? I heard about it yesterday. Small little pony, little miniature pony. It's in, in, in uh, Animal Rescue Centre now being well looked after and seemingly got help. But it's so nervous when anybody go, goes near it and have it in the stable. And if anybody walks in, it turns straight away to the wall so it doesn't have to eyeball whoever's coming in. The poor little mite. I heard about it yesterday and I had to turn down the radio because I couldn't listen to the details. Saw it on the paper. It's in a lot of the papers. And anyone that knows me, I can't read those stories. I just really can't read it. And... When I saw the photograph, I just I flick, I turned over the page as quickly as uh, as I could. You know, that's not to say I'm hoping it'll disappear. I won't. I hope the scumbags who did it, who inflicted that sort of misery on that little pony, is is caught and just the books are not because it's just it's shocking. It's shocking, and let's hope that that little pony gets to 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 know what what the love of a human being is like and kindness and that it lives out its day in a happy and in a peaceful way. But thank you. Yes, um, I sadly did uh, see it. Now, yesterday we were speaking about driving tests and this came in because one of our listeners' sons failed his driving test. Actually, it was this day last week they failed when they got to the roundabout and that he says that his view was obstructed by a truck on the right-hand lane and he was marked down, so he got a tick against it. Now, he did have nine other markings and if you have ten, you fail. But Mammy contacted us to say that it wasn't fair. He shouldn't have got that tenth tick for what happened there. There was a truck blocking his view. He couldn't have passed out. He was right to wait until the truck uh, moved on. And, you know, she was going to say it was a money racket and all of that. And that led to some commentary coming in saying, Hi Trish, maybe that was the way that young lad was trained to drive a car. As you know, Patrick Street in Cork City is a bus lane between 3 in the afternoon and 6.30 in the evening. That's Monday to Sunday. Yet quite recently, I've seen not one, but on two different occasions, driving lessons been done going down Patrick Street during the hours where it's meant to be closed to traffic. So, who's wrong there? The driver who's under instruction or the driving instructor? Yeah, it's how the driving instructor teaches you and that's the way you will perform, is it not, on the day of your test. And hi Patricia, interesting to hear you talk about the driving test. It is said that there is a higher pass rate in Newcastle West than in Mallow and for that reason they're all going back there to do your driving test because you can do your driving test, you can pick whatever centre you want. You want. There's less roundabouts in Newcastle West, says this texter. Does that mean... If you do your test in the Limerick town of Newcastle West, you're really not qualified. 
If you pass in Mallow, you certainly can drive, in my opinion, with the amount of roundabouts and the amount of traffic that flows through the town. So I decided that came in at the close of the programme yesterday and I didn't get a chance to mention it. So I decided yesterday then that I'd look into Newcastle West and see, is it easier to pass your driving test in Newcastle West? And do more people pass there and do more people fail in a Mallow? And yet they're up there, top dog. If you do your test in Newcastle West, you have a 65% chance of passing your test. If you do your driving test in Mallow, they have a 59% pass rate. So it is less. Cork City doesn't come out to a 51%. So roughly half and half, half fail and half uh, pass in Cork City. In Skibbereen, they're similar to Mallow. They're at 59% as well. The overall average for passing your driving test is 52%. So Newcastle West is well up there with a pass rate of 65%. I also found in Monaghan, the pass rate in Monaghan is 65%. But the best place in Ireland to go if you want to pass your driving test, according to figures from last year, is Clifton, of all places. They have a 72% pass rate. Isn't that incredible? When you compare that to Cork City, 51% passed last year in Cork City, 72% passed in Clifton and that's you know that's not to say the people in Cork City are not as good a driver as they are in Clifton but for some reason it's easier I'm assuming I don't know Clifton does anybody know Clifton well they're probably a little bit like Newcastle West there isn't any dangerous roundabouts or any you know obscure when you come up to a junction where the an area that your view might be obscured and you might be a bit nervous approaching it you could get marked down for that or as our initial listener at a very busy roundabout that you have in Mallow going up there and a big truck comes up beside him on the right hand side and he can't see what's happening on the roundabout so he falters slightly and because of that he gets an extra mark against him and he fails his uh, test. 1850-333-103 and I want to congratulate and say well done to everybody involved in Formoy Tidy Towns. The committee there have installed uh, 10 new cigarette receptacles this week in the town to try to reduce the number of cigarette butts being dropped on our streets. Now, I think this is the problem all over the country. There are not enough cigarette butt receptacles. And because, thankfully, thanks to Micheál Martin, we have driven smokers out onto the road and out onto the footpaths and they're not allowed to smoke anymore inside most of the smokers now are outside and they're walking along the street or they're standing outside a restaurant or they're standing outside a pub. But not everyone provides receptacles to put the cigarette out in. So when the person finishes the cigarette, what do they do? They, they put it on the, on the ground. So for more tidy towns, they have an issue. They have a problem with cigarette butts in the town. Decided to do something about it. The cigarette butts have been strategically placed, according to the Avenue newspaper, in well-used public areas such as bus stops and outside of various business premises. Cigarette butts are still the main issue in Formoy in the various anti-litter competitions. So the committee hopes that the community will get behind the idea and make use of the receptacles. They have also asked more businesses and others to come forward to purchase more receptacles to try to make Formoy what they're calling a butt-free town. Well done, well done. And obviously there's a cost involved, you know, in Tidy Towns Committee's they are volunteers and they have to do a little bit of fundraising as well then to get the money together in order to put these 
cigarette receptacles, cigarette butt receptacles in place. So if there are any businesses listening who might like to sponsor a few of them or if you'd like to put one outside your own business and the Tidy Towns Committee would be delighted with you. And hopefully other towns will take the lead from from Moy Tidy Towns and follow suit and put in more cigarette butt receptacles so that we can all become butt-free towns. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And I've been asked to wish the best of luck to all involved in Mallow Rugby Club's Tag Rugby Festival in Mallow Town Park tomorrow. All supporters are welcome and kickoff is at 11am. Mallow Barbarians versus Bantry kicking off at 1pm and then the Ireland v Italy game that will be live on the big screen from 2pm tomorrow. All are welcome and you're invited to please turn up and show your support and also a special birthday wish to John Brown of Mallow Rugby Club from everyone in the club. The message, John, is have a great day. Now, a number of well-known actors are lined up to appear in a special event which will take place on Spike Island on September the 14th next. Tell Climb where people can expect and where tickets are available. I'm joined by one of the event organisers and that's Emmett uh, O'Brien. Uh, good afternoon to you, Emmett. Good afternoon. Thanks now, for th- you're very welcome. The event is Spook Fest. A, a spook Screen. Spook Screen, sorry. Am I right in saying it's the first time it's it taking place in Spike Island? Yeah, um, basically it's, it's a three-day festival that we did last year for the first time in Clonakilty, but we moved it into Cork um, this year. And the Saturday night is the Spike Island event, which will have um, uh, like a lot of the guests kind of milling about Spike Island. And we're watching um, Dog Soldiers, which is uh, Liam Cunningham's film, and he's there to do a bit of a talk. But there's two nights, there's a Friday night event and a Sunday night event in Cork City as well. Oh, and then this the Saturday night you're out on Spike, is it? Yeah. Okay, uh, so what can people expect on the night? Um, basically, there's a on on, on on the Spike Island night. There's a tour, a kind of a haunted tour of the island. Um, a talk with uh, Liam Cunningham about his career, and a talk with the other guests as well, which include Caroline Monroe, who's like a Hammer Horror former Bond girl. There's um, an agent, Chris Rowe, who used to ma- used to manage um, George Romero, the horror zombie master. Um, an actor called Courtney Gaines, who's been in like every single horror and <laughs> TV thing you can imagine. And um, Patrick Bergen as well is showing up. To, well, uh, talk you've, about. You've, you've got a good, strong lineup. Yeah, we're really delighted with it. Like it just sort of um, took off. This was originally back in 2016. We did a a one-off event in the Kino to just showcase local horror. But then uh, Stephen Brockhausen, who I work with in my company, he suggested, why don't we try to expand it? And in the last two years, it really has um, built up. Um, and this is obviously the biggest, this is the biggest we've gone so far. So. And there's a big following, isn't there, for, for horror movies? Yeah, especially you know, like Cork City as well, like has, has a really strong horror um, following. For example, like I've been covering um, film festivals for a few years for different outlets. And there's always a strong showing of horror in the local film scene. People just love it. I guess it's um, it's a quick kind of, if you're making a short film, there's tropes to horror that you can follow. Yeah. I think people just love um, engaging with it. And we've gotten so many, like as well for classic people as well, like Carolyn Monroe was, um, you know, a, a former Bond girl. But as soon as we announced her for the Friday night, we got so many messages, like people were really into it. And the movie you're going to show on Spike Island, the Liam Cunningham one, Dog Soldiers, what's, yeah. that's from 2002. It's a horror movie. Yeah, it's a horror movie involving um, kind of a command unit, like an army unit um, fighting werewolves. Um, we actually <laughs> gave, we gave Liam the option of 
picking the film he wanted to show. He could have picked one of his own films. He could pick a horror film that he you know liked and wanted to discuss. But Dog yeah. Soldiers was the one he went for. So obviously there's some uh, affection there he yeah. has for the film. Have you seen it? I have, yeah. I saw when it came out because um, I'm a big horror fan. Are you? Okay. I'm just thinking it's the, the, the setting of Spike Island, though. Oh, yeah, that really um, adds to it. Like, I mean, it, it, like, have you, actually, have you ever been out there? I, I, only last year I was out there and it's it's gorgeous. But when you get into the old prison, the old jail, oh, my God, it was just, I, it, it's, it's a, it is like living in a horror movie. Yeah, you, you, could, you couldn't find a better setting for it. And I actually do want to thank the the team in Spike Island who have been very good for uh, including us. Um, but yeah, it, it's a perfect setting for a horror film. And um, it, it just, if this is successful, we'd love to do something every year. And I'd love to pick films that are thematically um, appropriate. Like Dog Soldiers is like they're in a confined area. They can't really escape. It's very um, thematic. <laughs> a little bit like the people on the island that night. They can't escape ex- ex- until the very least. Exactly. I, I also think that um, the, the Haunted Tour will be... Fantastic yeah. as well for people. Um, it'll really set the scene before you sit down to watch the film. It'll get everybody in the mood. The hair will be standing up in the back of people's necks, I can tell you. And obviously, Spike Island, you'll be limited on the numbers, I take it. Will you, Emmett, how many can bring out in that? Yeah, tickets are selling pretty quickly. Um, there's, we, we can sell at 200 and they are going. So I would, I would, I would urge people to... Um, to, to go straight away to, to get them. Um, I will say that when you click on the event, just because there's been some confusion about this, um, you, you go to the date. So it's Saturday the, uh, the 14th of September. You just have to click on that date um, to, uh, on the Spike Island website. Okay, and you say there are other events in the city on the Friday and on the Sunday? Yeah, on the Friday we're um, using uh, the Triscoll venue, um, which is very, it's a lovely it's the, you know, Christchurch cinema that's beautiful as well. And we're having an event with Patrick Bergen. We're showing uh, Robin Hood, the film he made uh, with Uma Thurman, and we're showing um, two movies with Caroline Monroe, who's the Bond girl. We're showing an old Hammer horror called Captain Chronos Vampire Hunter. And then we're showing a film from the 80s called Maniac. And then on Sunday, um, we're having screenings of a, of, a, of a film called Children of the Corn. It's an anniversary screening. And I'll have the actor Courtney Gaines involved there. So, yeah, it's very well, busy. That's, that's, do you expect people to travel to the event? Will people come from outside Cork or is it um, very yeah. much a Cork market? Well, like, we're hoping, obviously, you get like, a local thing. But last year in Clon, uh, a lot of filmmakers from all around the country came because we do showcase um, Irish shorts and international shorts as well in a, in a series of programs. So we got um, directors coming down from like the north last year. We got someone coming over from England. Um, so hopefully if people can travel, we'll be delighted to, to host them. All right, listen, good luck with it. Once again, just people asking uh, where, where, where can the tickets be got from, particularly for the Spike Island one? Uh, we'll go spookscreen.ie and, or spookscreen uh, Facebook and then you'll have all the links there. Okay. To, um, yeah. All right, good luck and enjoy it yourself as well because I know when you're organising it sometimes you can, you've can. got so much to do you don't get oh, time yeah. to enjoy it yourself. L- like so last do. year I didn't really see a movie. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's always around. the way. It's always yeah. the way. Uh, okay. Thanks so much. Listen, thank you and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, bye-bye, best of luck with it. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Emmett O'Brien, one of the organisers of that uh, spook screen which is happening out on Spike Island as, it, as I say, it was there last year. It's, it's fantastic. If you're looking for a day out actually, I mean, obviously, this is for people that are into horror movies. But if you're looking for a day out and we still have a few weeks left of the summer holidays, fantastic. Get the kids on the ferry and bring them over. You get a fine day. It, it really is fantastic uh, over there. 1850 Can I look at some of your texts and calls that are still coming into us? Hi, Patricia. What about McCroom? This is people now are putting forward their reasons. Uh, if you close County Hall, 
where would you put the ad, the main admin building? Where would you put other workers? What about McCroom? If the council decides to move it out into the county, the Baylick was refurbished and is standing idle, says uh, Sean. That's the, that's what he would be voting for. Um, leave me that. I need to read over that one. This is on all oh, driving tests. Texter says, my son failed his test. He had the tester and an observer in the car, as had everyone on that particular day. He was never asked or given any explanation about having the second person during the test. And obviously it spooked the person slightly, the son. Is, is, is that, you know, the way it's tough enough when you get in with a tester without somebody else sitting in the back seat. I would have thought that, and obviously the tester was there the observer in the back of the car is testing the tester, if you know what I mean. I'm assuming that's what it is. I would have thought that you'd have to give your permission for that. But according to this, we'll we'll get that checked. I would have thought, but well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they don't. Um, but this listener is saying her son wasn't asked and neither was anybody else on that day. No explanation, except they went to get into the car and somebody hops into the back seat. That would be nerve-wracking enough for somebody who may be nervous in any way and someone else says they may this is to do with the Clifton 72% pass last year if you took a test in Clifton and if, for example in Cork City only 51% passed and in Mallow and Skibbereen 59% passed and Newcastle West they've got a good pass rate of 65% a texter says there may also be better driving instructors in the higher pass rate towns therefore producing better candidates for the test says one of our texts that is very possible 1850 Mary is wondering Patricia could you give a shout out please and ask uh, do any of your listeners know are there any groups taking a bus to Listunvarna in September now Mary's not saying what part of Cork she's in but I'm assuming from somewhere in Cork City or County does anybody know of buses going to Listunvarna for the Listunvarna Festival in September if you can let us know and we'll give a shout out Mary wants to jump on the bus obviously Dennis this is on the climate change that I spoke about and the UN and their latest report that's out and it's kind of advising everyone we need to stop give up your old red meat kind of thing Dennis says Hi Patricia I'd be first up to say I am not a vegan but he says how can anybody anybody entertain eating lamb those little baby sheep. I find it absolutely heartbreaking. Those baby lambs haven't even seen life yet. And yet they're up on somebody's plate, particularly around Easter time. And, you know, there are people, people have preference for different meat. People, there'll be some people who will love lamb, others will love pork, others will nothing like a, a steak. It's all a personal preference and yeah, a lot of people, particularly for Easter, it's a big tradition, isn't it, to have a leg of lamb for Easter. Anyway, Dennis says absolutely no way could he ever sit down and have lamb for dinner because he would instantly be thinking of the little baby lambs out frolicking in the fields. Anthony says, sickening that our German masters are making rules about our carbon use. Uh, they are involved in the clearing of the Amazon rainforest that I mentioned in that UN uh, report. In that, German cars will be exported to South America in return for the beef contract. It's the McCursor uh, deal. It is the highest form of hypocrisy, says Anthony. Very, very annoyed with the Germans over McCursor. Now, the 
Phil Hogan was saying McCarsa is only a proposal at the moment. It still has to be ironed out and we're going to have to wait and, and uh, see. But um, yeah, time will tell. And we are, a, we are a tiny minion, really, when you look at the whole of Europe. You wonder how much clout uh, we actually have. And staying on beef farmers, a final text in saying, Hi, Patricia, have the beef farmers not had enough? They have been faced by trade agreements, low prices and now climate change. Our beef has the fifth lowest carbon footprint in the EU. So if we cut the amount of beef produced in Ireland, it could result in more being produced in other countries to fill the gap. If these countries have a higher footprint per kg of beef, then overall emissions will rise. We'll be defeating the purpose. What a great argument. Are the farmers just pulling the short straw? People are flying all over the world without giving carbon footprint a second thought. This, sadly, will be the last generation of farmers in Ireland unless something changes. And isn't it one of the reasons that the beef farmers are out protesting? And when we first started talking with the beef farmers over 12 days now isn't it they're out protesting the Monday of not this week last week when we first started talking about it and we had some very heartbreaking farmers join us on the programme and who were really really upset Dennison Fomoy was the one that broke a lot of people's hearts and an elderly farmer and he's fearful saying there's no one to take over he doesn't want anyone to take over there's no money to be made in beef farming and the number of farmers that said that the ones that do have sons and daughters and they don't want them to go into it because they know how tough it is and that argument kept coming out that this will be the last generation of beef farmers and if beef farmers go which will be the next area of farming that will also go and that would be a sad sad day uh, for this country for sure. Before I go just to tell you traffic lights are not working at Mallow Bridge. It's dangerous for drivers we're hearing especially those trying to get on from the Park Road so please approach that junction with great care and there is also traffic coming up the lower Glanmar Road from Dunkettle and taking the slip road to head towards Silver Springs the traffic lights at the Tivoli flyover they're out of sync and it's only leaving two cars at a time through so as a result traffic is backed up to the Dunkettle roundabout oh my god this sounds like an absolute nightmare little bit of patience uh, please and the best of luck to everybody involved with a coffee day in aid of the dogs for the disabled tomorrow it's at the home of Noreen O'Connell Sally's Cross in Cantor it starts at 12 runs through until 4 and you've invited to come along and meet the new pups oh there's nothing like new pups it would be really terrific that's where I leave you for today Nick is with you for this afternoon reminding you that Nick will be playing another round of Simon's Celebrity C's C and C your chance uh, to win we are at 2,300 euro today so your chance if you think you can identify who the three celebrities are thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing we're back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock onto the 9 Patricia Messenger